everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Before we get any further into this podcast, I want to issue a big trigger warning. My guest today talks about her experience with miscarriage, the physical, the emotional, the raw, the real, and what it's like to recover from that. I just want to warn you before you go any further that there are some graphic details. She talks about what she experienced in the process of losing, what the ultrasound room was like in a cathartic way to just tell her story. And so if you are in your own raw and real spot, I wanted to just issue this warning for you. So maybe you could listen at a time that maybe you weren't on your way to work or in a time maybe you had a little bit extra support. So there you have it. I hope that you really enjoy today's podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillett, CEO of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. I am glad that you're in this sweet little space with me again this week. I hope that last week, uh, Lisa Williams was a great encouragement to you as we just talked about grief and all things just coping with grief, whether it's reproductive loss, loss of just life or pandemic stress life. We are all just kind of limping as we go into year two of this pandemic. So if you've made it this far, well done. Um, I am excited for you guys to meet my guest today. Um, So if you've been following along with me for any amount of time, you know that I have made it kind of my mission to interview experts on all things reproductive and maternal mental health. But this season, as I've mentioned, I want to make a big pivot into the world of personal stories. Goal being you, wherever you are on your journey, wherever, whatever corner of the world you're in, if you're kind of walking this journey in solitude, looking for people, I want this to be a place where you can say, I found my people. Even if I never talk to them, that you can listen to this and feel like, you know what, I'm doing okay. I can be known in this space and feel like somebody's giving you just a hug and a kiss on the cheek from uh, this little speaker, wherever you are. So today I want you to meet my lovely sister in life, Kristen Brust. Kristen, thanks for being here. Oh, I love to be the first non-expert. I mean, I feel like if there was any title I could be worthy of it, it's the, non- <laughs> it's the non-expert first interview. Like, thank God I finally fit somewhere. This is magic. Okay. Well, you don't have any letters before or after your name, but I feel like you're also so grounded in your own life. I feel like you're so well-versed in talking about your own experience and have already helped so many people through whether it be your podcast, your Instagram page, all the work that you've done already. I feel like we can just say maybe you're the most professional non-expert out there. Okay, great. Um, Can I put that on a business card? Yes. Is that the most old lady thing I could say? A business card? No one even has that anymore. I would say I have a PhD in perspective and that's my own own title. I feel like a lot of people in this world could benefit from that. I mean, honestly, I think of all the things that like my 10 year old, for example, is learning in school and he's like, mom, I'm learning about colonization. And I'm like, has anybody taught you about like cultural empathy? Has anybody taught you like taxes or do we find it so important for you to learn about quadrilateral, whatever shapes? Is it a shape? I don't know. I don't know. I'm in, we're homeschooling kindergarten, so I'm no expert. This is what intimidates me about the older age groups. Okay. So who are you other than a homeschooling kindergarten mom? I am, let's see. 
Um, so I have, I do have a podcast. It's called in Kristen, we brust, um, the, we part of that was aimed towards, well, first of all, it's, it's a little sneaky Christian, which I like sneaky. Jesus is what I call it. (laughs) Um, so instead of in God, we trust, which seems intimidating to a lot of folks, I started it as in Kristen, we brust. I felt like it was like a little come in and snuggle up with a real person and don't let the church get you nervous. Um, I do swear a little on the podcast. I'm afraid to say it's Christian, but the we part of that title was really important to me because the whole goal in the podcast is to be the girlfriend's girlfriend's podcast. And it is to talk about all the hard stuff, laugh through Mm -hmm. the hard stuff, cry through the hard stuff, but like to just feel very much not alone. So that's the we. So after you subscribe to mine, go subscribe to Kristen's because it's good. You honestly feel like that you're sitting in a room full of girlfriends and like you feel a little FOMO because you're not in the room. Okay. Which is, I think is a good good. thing. It's not like FOMO. Why aren't you including me? Like you're at the not cool lunch table, but you're like, these people are so relatable. I want to go hang out with them. Like, I hope this is live and I'm going to go just kind of crash their party. And if you did, I'd be like, hi, welcome. There is a seat and a chair and probably a dirty martini if we're being honest. Okay. I'm here for it. As long as there's no olives. That's okay. See, there has to be non-olive eaters because then the olive eaters get extra. Okay. As she points to herself. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you host a podcast. I do. Um, I am, I used to do radio and that is the love of my life. So that's why I went back to podcasting and I really appreciate mm. and love it and the community. I'm also an advocate for moms. I say it takes a village to raise a mom. So I've done a lot of work mm. and that's how I met Kathy. That's how I met you through mm-hmm. the Red Ridge, which is something we bonded over and just helping moms. I mean, I think motherhood is tricky and mm. I think I just am a firm believer. We can use social media for good, not evil. <laughs> so I'm um, a little there might be like more. 12 people in the world who believe that, but I'm one of them. So here we are too strong. You and me too strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't have a ton, ton of followers for me. It's a lot, but that little corner of the world is where everybody comes to find safety and space and be loved on excessively. Cause that's what I do best. And that's it. So I am also, and I wasn't going to mention this, but it's because pertinent of, to your story. I was going to say, because what, of what we're going to chat about today, it doesn't matter. Um, I am married to a country artist. So that Pip is like it a- out. Pip like, it out. Who? Oh, low cash. Download that EP. Woods and Water EP came out in November. Everybody, please go download. Let's get these kids through college. And Beach Boys. Beach Boys is one of my favorite actually is my favorite song on the EP and it's incredible. And the guys just recorded a version with the actual beach boys. So that matters. And, oh, it's just all good. So, so to be fair, the first couple of times I, uh, hung out with you, met you, whatever, I had no idea. So while you're sharing this piece of your story that you are married to him, you are so humble about it. And it is not something that you're like, oh my gosh, do you want to know who my husband is? Yeah, like I you're just, bringing it up today because you you did your story of what we'll go into with having your husband be on the road. Yeah, and I don't I don't know, it's a fine line between like identifying as I identify very much as his wife on like the God kingdom side of life, but then when it comes to like the fame part, I just want him to go do what he's like good at and I don't need to be 
attached. You to go them. to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's interesting to watch when someone does what they're put on earth to do. And I'm lucky enough to be married to someone that found that. And like, we mm. pace for our life with that, which is incredible, but that's also what he does. And what I do is at home. So your job description in this life, besides being a professional, non-professional, you love people. Well, I love my you love people. your people. Well, uh, like I am, it's protective. Yeah. You're a cocooner. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So what I'd love for us to do is just share a piece of, I mean, you have a story of pregnancy loss, right? I, do mm-hmm. you mind just sharing with us um, what that story was, what that was like for you dive into, you know, however you found healing in it, if you found healing, like, I just want you because you're such an excellent, excellent communicator, blame it on the radio perhaps, but like, just tell your story for us. Let's Let's chat about it. I used to be an excellent communicator and then I became a mom. So I'm just not sure there's any brain power left, but we will do our best. Mm. Okay. Let's do it. So we have, um, I'm not, I'll, I won't do the longest version, but I will tee you up by saying like when I met my husband, Preston, it was rapid fire, like fast, fast, fast love. Like when you know, you know, and like we basically breathed each other's air and then five minutes later we're pregnant and then we were engaged and then we were married and, and we had our, so like from the time we met to the time we had our first baby was 14 months. Girlfriend. So, Okay. Like we were handing out complimentary, like neck braces the first year for like, follow us, like with the whiplash, it was like, <laughs> we're engaged. Just kidding. A week later, we're married. Like it was, it was a lot. And, um, I worked for a record label at the time out of Nashville, big machine, which is a powerhouse record label has Florida Georgia line band, Perry, like young band, like all these big names, Brett young. So I was busy. And I say all of that because there's a lot of postpartum in the story, but I was busy I was a career woman. I was in my thirties. I was recently divorced and I was like owning the world. And I probably will never meet a guy I like, and I'll just adopt a baby on my own. And I will handle life on my own because that's what I've done my whole life. Mm. And then I fell in love with an artist, which we, we all try not to, and you can't help when you love your people and you find your people. So we had love. Our daughter's name is love. She's six now. And it was just a whirlwind of emotion. It was, um, she, my contract ended with big machine, December 31st, love was born January 5th and January 11th. My husband hit the road and he was gone 280 days that year. Um, so I was no family, new baby living in the old bachelor pad. (laughs) Um, everyone can just have a moment of silence for me because I feel like women around the world are like (sighs) Uh, and it was a lot my friends Mm. were going back to work I was not there was a blizzard it was like the perfect storm in air quotes so postpartum was tricky um and then we moved out of the bachelor pad into the house we're in now it's great still no like you know you're learning each other and I'm Mm -hmm. learning how to be a mom and we're learning how to be married and we're not living together really. And ever. learning how to be apart. So much learning. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so much learning. So much learning. I'm exhausted actually even saying it. Uh, so fast forward to that. The November before love turned one, we found out we were expecting our second baby and it was fast and furious. It would, they would have been 
19 months apart. So it was going to be a lot. And I don't know, I I guess like the first time we tried for love um, (laughs) in all the ways one can mean that sentence, we succeeded at it. And so I felt like the second pregnancy, we kind of Dr. Amanda Barrett is my doctor here and a profound human being and now a friend of mine, but she, we were rock stars on the first pregnancy. So I came in in January to get our first ultrasound on the second baby. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, what's interesting is it still looks like it takes your breath away a little bit. I was going to say it's been, it was five years in January and it just all opens up and hurts the same no matter how many times you say it. So, uh, we went in for our ultrasound and it was really quiet. And I remember seeing love for the first time and she looked like a gummy bear, but I saw her little heartbeat and it just was like, Oh, I get it now, you know, and they go and there's your baby. And so I'm like in my brain, silly, 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 naive me thinking like, Oh, I get to see my gummy bear today. Like this is, you know, yeah. innocence. Sure. Yeah. Show me my gummy bear and let me like get back to just doing what I do best, taking way too much fish oil and overanalyzing what I eat. And like, let me just rock this out for 40 weeks. So, um, it was a dark screen and, you know, just very different energy. You can just kind of tell the tech was amazing, but just really quiet. And she Mm -hmm. said, okay, well, you're going to go, we're taking the other room and Dr. Barrett's going to go over everything with you. And so we walked in and I am, Kathy and I bond over our Enneagram two-ness, but I am a two with a one wing. So I keep a very accurate calendar of, you know, (laughs) and I knew how far we were. I just knew how far we were. And when we walked in, you know, Dr. Barrett comes in and she's like, okay, so the date could be off. And I'm thinking like, I know it's not like, here's my calendar. Show her the paperwork Mm -hmm. I have. Like, (laughs) here's my calendar. This is what I'm a professional at. Yeah. And She said, I think we need to just prepare our hearts for the idea of a miscarriage. She was so good at what she did in that room. I'm still blown away from like that sentence on gets really, really foggy for me. But she was like, listen, we're going to come back in like 10 days and we're just going to see if we have any growth and maybe there's growth, but we, you know, I, I I honestly can't remember how she put it, but it was like, we have like a two and three Mm -hmm. chance of not having a successful pregnancy here. And I remember basically not breathing from like that sentence on until, um, Preston and I, he had just come off the road when we met, we brought love with us. Oh, I mean, naive, naive, naive things I did. I brought love with us. Cause I'm like, you're going to be a big sister. We're all going to see the baby for the first time. And so thankfully we were in two separate vehicles meeting at the doctor's office and he took love and got in his vehicle and I shut the door to mine and I mm-hmm. wept like just confusion and like, mm. and then I do what I always do, which is grab onto any hope I can find. And I was like, well, I've got 10 days to just pray extra hard and really focus on the good. And this baby is going to feel everything I think. So I have to clean up the way I think, and we are just going to rock this. And so for Mm -hmm. 10 days, we did that. And just so many, I mean, just so much emotion, anyone that's had any sort of like loss or grief, they just, you just know, but you're wildly hopeful, but then also somewhat realistic, like warp weird world where you have to keep being a mom for the kid that you have. And you have to keep being a wife for the husband that you have. And then you also have to keep trying to be a person, but 
all the while you're like, I mean, when I tell you if thoughts and heart could have kept a baby, like we would have kept each other because I just thought for sure we were going to be able to keep each other. So 10 days later, we go in for the follow-up ultrasound and the screen is basically the same, um, like just had grown a little, but like there, so whatever that baby was did not just did not grow. Um, I just want to validate that I see you and I hear you right now. It's been five years and y'all listening, like you can't see the experience she's having with this. It's really something. But I can see that this is still a, a trauma for you. This is still present for you. Not in the way that like you haven't moved forward in your life. Where you have to. But, but. In, in, in the book, Mark event that this was for your life. This was a profound experience for you. It changed, it changed, it changed my trajectory for life. Like it changed the way I look at people. It changed the way I treat people. And I've always been a nice person, but we went back for that second ultrasound. And I've always been the person that buys the coffee for someone behind me at Starbucks. Like, I just feel Mm -hmm. like it resets the energy, not like a pat myself on the back, just like mostly selfish. Like the world just needs that energy put back out, you know? And after we left the second ultrasound, um, Dr. Barrett explained my options, Mm -hmm. which I can go back to in a second, but the point of that Starbucks story is that I went through Starbucks and that was the first day ever that someone in front of me had bought me a coffee. Wow. And I was like, well, there you have it. You know, you just, the world uh, was being gracious to you that day. Is if, as if I wore a shirt that said like, please, for the love of God, just be gentle with me. I felt Mm. like everywhere I went, there was grace and there was sweetness and there was doors being held open. It was just what it was a really tender little planet I lived on, which is not lost on me either. Mm. So in the miscarriage options, you have essentially three choices. You can wait to lose naturally. We could do schedule a DNC or they could do the medicine vaginally that would like jumpstart the process of me losing naturally. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I can't, I mean, my hope for that baby was so <laughs> almost delusional that I was like, well, we're not scheduling a DNC. I'm like, this is the little baby that could. Like this is the success. You're still holding on to hope. Yeah. Like that is my person. And where I'm not, no one's taking my person. If God wants to take my person, he'll take my person. So it was 12 weeks to the day. And I was at home. Uh, someone I referred to as my Dallas mom, Pam came in. She had lost. Uh, I think she had lost like four pregnancies. She was like the expert of my heart, but she was also just the expert of losing, you know? And this is why I mentioned that Preston was on the road because he had to go on a cruise. (laughs) Mm. So he and the other half of the duo and his wife were all on a cruise ship. And I had just put love to bed. I mean, when I think of God and the grace and the timing and the logistics, the timeline of all of this was just as divine and protected as it could be because I had just put her to bed. I remember I was giving her a bath and I felt like a really hard, almost contraction, like pain. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. And so I just kissed her extra, got her cozy in her crib at the time. She was only, I mean, she was teeny. She had just turned a year. 
got her cozy. And then I went downstairs and I looked at Pam, my Pammy. And I said, I think it's happening. And she was like, okay. And Dr. Barrett had warned me, you know, you can get dizzy. You could lose your balance. Like you can't really ever be alone. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when it happens, cause 12 weeks is a pretty sufficient amount of time. Your uterus is swelled. Like you've got a lot going on in there. Um, and she was like, so this is not going to feel like a heavy period. This will, and she just, I can't say enough good things. Like the way I was teed up and the information I was given was so accurate that I felt like that was also a safety net. Like I could, mm. I knew what to expect. Everything she said that was going to happen basically happened. I spent three hours. I'm so glad that you had that experience. My first miscarriage, my OBGYN was on maternity leave and our nurse didn't call me back. I didn't know that the baby had to come out. The fact that you had Dr. Barrett, who, by the way, if you're like, she sounds like an angel, she's on episode four of this podcast because she's, she's that <laughs> good listen to her because she's so, she's such a good human and a smart but, doctor. Like yeah. she is an incredible friend. She is a beautiful human being, but she is a really smart freaking doctor. But the fact that you had all of these like God winks show up for you, all of these really sacred experiences for you to turn to and say, I'm okay. Yeah. I have my Pammy. My husband's not here, but the doctor is wise and loving. They were so hearted. I mean, everybody, even I I couldn't get a hold of Preston because he's on a cruise ship. So I had to FaceTime audio him and I sat on the toilet. Like Mm. if anyone has gone through this, like if you know someone that's gone through this, like the imagine <laughs> you lose a piece of your heart and soul into a public like waste system. Like it's just one of the most unfair things for someone to have to go through. Mm. And I grew up in a SHIT show. So if I can say that I can, <laughs> you can say that here. Okay. I didn't know. Um, So for three hours, I just was on my toilet. I don't want to go too, too much into it for everyone. But like, when I say you can't stand up, like you can't stand up, you can, you're laboring, you're laboring, your, your body is like, you're losing so much blood that you literally can't even move to go do anything because you would, it's, it's a disaster and it doesn't, it just doesn't end there. I remember telling Preston, I was like, I'm losing our baby. I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, no, no. Like he couldn't cancel. Here's something too. on the logistics side of things that I think is important. Like if he canceled that cruise, the contracts for cruises are a little bit trickier because you are on a ship with fans for like five days. And so you can't easily dip out of that or else mm-hmm. it becomes you know, like a lot of people will say yes. And then they get closer to that experience and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. So in order to get out of those contracts is tricky. And I didn't want anyone to know. Hmm. So it's not like he could go to the person running it and say, listen, this is what's happening at our house because I didn't want him to. Hmm. So he didn't go on a cruise because he was going to have fun. He was going on a cruise to go work. <laughs> and that resentment for a long time was an issue for me. I just, you know, what it, the reality of it is he was going to work, but what it feels like is I'm alone. It's just more than I think people expected. I wanted to call every person that I'd ever known that had gone through it and just apologize and listen to them tell me their story because until you're in it, you don't know. That night, Pam spent all night with me. Like he, she had to change my, I mean, I, I 
not to be too graphic, but literally bled through my pants, my sheets, towels. We were putting towels down. I mean, it just goes on all night long. Feels like you're hemorrhaging. It does. And it's scary. It's like a ridiculous amount of blood there. You're like, am I still okay? Like at what point? But again, Dr. Bear had teed me up and was like, if we're soaking through this, this, this in an hour span, like that's when you call me. Um, so I went in the following day and Dr. Barrett checked me to see how we were come, like how it was all working. Cause so I felt dizzy. It just felt not good. And what, how much of that is your body? How much of that is your heart? How much of that is like your spirit? Who knows? But she, um, she said I had not lost all of it. And I think I, this could be inaccurate because this is where everything, I mean, the fog was real, but there was something about like, I could risk infection if I didn't lose everything. we had found out at that point that my uterus was a little tilted. So that's why everything was coming out. So I had to be scheduled for a DNC. Um, she gave me the medicine that day. So essentially I lost a baby in all three ways. One could lose a baby. The baby was definitely gone by that day, but like the nest was not. So she gave me the medicine vaginally. Mm. I went home. She prepared me that I would have a night like the night I had before. And then if that didn't work, we had a DNC on the books for that following Thursday. So that was Tuesday, Wednesday night, and then Thursday, Thursday, my husband flew in. I did not lose all of it. I still, I just think it's a matter of what my body was trying to hold on to. So I went in for DNC. They put me in the back. I have an IV. My husband lands from his cruise, comes straight to where I'm at at the hospital, kisses me on the face, call his mom. We all pray together. He comes, my mom meets him at the airport. Everybody's there and I go in. But the hard part about that for me is when they put you, when they take you to the operating room, you're still awake enough and it's quick. Like it's just outpatient, but the nurse that checked me in, we, she shut the door and she just looked at me and I felt like she could have said a million other things that she wanted to say, but she was like, I'm really sorry for the reason you're here today. Mm. Angels. (laughs) Yeah. She didn't have to say that. She could have just gone through like date of birth, blah, 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 blah. Almost like, gosh, now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I wonder how many what her contribution to heaven is. Cause it feels like something someone would say that's been down that road before. Yeah. Like how she's lost before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they take you home after. And then my husband got on a bus that night to go back on the road for the weekend. So you really did this a lot. I mean, yeah. yes, your Dallas mama was there. Yeah. And but I the pain been- and the grief, like, a lot of people that go through this can say it was bonding for my partner and I. Yeah, we did not have the bonding. And you, no, what didn't. you're saying is my husband came, kissed me, prayed with me, took me home, left. Had to like had to work, had and and I you can't cancel shows for no good reason. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone to know because I couldn't take on any extra feelings. I didn't want to talk about it. I wasn't in denial, but I certainly, it was like sacred, sacred, sacred days, sacred minutes, thin air, heaven air, all of it. And I just didn't want to share it. I, and they were just yours. "Mm -hmm." We call the middle one baby lion Mm -hmm. um, because my husband is very much a Leo. (laughs) And so every baby has been baby lion until they've been born because 
that just is, we just never wanted to tell names. Like love was such a different name and we had, and we knew our parents would have an opinion. So we never (laughs) shared it. And um, so it was really just, it's crazy. The hardest part I would share with you two is the other half of our duo. So my husband's part of a duo and the second half of that, the other part of that duo got pregnant a month after we did. Mm. And they obviously kept their baby. She's a beautiful girl. She's magic. (laughs) She's a lot. She's a lot of personality too, which is fun, but it was, I walked red carpets next to a baby bump. I had people going because theirs were super close together as well. I had people going like, you know, I remember being at his number one party and they announced that they were having their baby at the number one party. And this person next to me goes, well, when are you guys, you know, like, when are you going to have your second one? Like very. And you're thinking you have no idea. I'm thinking four weeks ago, I was on a toilet. Like it's just. And at that moment, my, my two are, our two on the Enneagram goes to eight when we're in a place of stress and oh, my family's native language is sarcasm and passive aggressive. I feel like I would have let them have it. So I, it was the first time I'd said it out loud, but I literally did look at them and I said, we just lost our baby four weeks ago, a little, probably blunt and harsh for someone that didn't was probably just in all honesty and gracious assumption, just trying to be kind or you'd be fun or whatever. But I thought what a lesson that could be for (laughs) for Uh someone who just assumes, you know, like, First of all, even if our daughter was 10, you don't have the right to ask me when we're having another baby stranger. I remember checking out of a big box store once and she was like, I have four babies at home and I don't want any of them. And totally complaining. Like I just hate them, whatever. I think she was raising somebody else's children, but to the point I wanted to climb over the register, wring her neck and say, I have a dead baby in me right now. I'm waiting to lose a baby. I am here collecting stuff because the rest of my weekend looks like loss and tears and grief and anger. And I'm holding it together to buy towels and toilet paper. Barely holding it together. Oh, right. Barely. And I do so much of my life alone that having to have people with me in case it happened was also like stressful to me. I'm just like, I'm good. I don't need people. I had a girlfriend who dropped everything, flew in from Houston the weekend before we lost just so that while Preston was away, like she could be here just in case. And it's so much and it's so hard because you're not, you're medically going through something, but you're also just mentally like you're a mom. It doesn't matter how many babies you have earth side. If you have any babies earth side, like that you're a mom, you're a mama and that's your baby. Mm-hmm. That's your person. Yeah. Heartbeat or no heartbeat. And there's a lot of insensitivity and, and not a lot of people educated well on like emotional intelligence period. But also in those circumstances, I felt like there was no one, like it was like, well, you didn't have a heartbeat. So you weren't really pregnant. Like that was a comment I heard going back to what are our children learning? Imagine if they're learning in junior high health class that pregnancies can be really hard, that mommies can get sad after mm-hmm. that. Not everybody that wants a baby. I mean, we are taught like wear this condom abstain or take your birth control. Because if you look at a penis, you're going to get pregnant. I remember right. being so convinced by my little Lutheran school. I've said it in this space before, but if I shared a toilet seat or went to the bathroom after a boy, I was going to get pregnant. Oh, like okay. the fear mongering around I- Everything that we're taught when we're so young, like 
why is my kid learning the preamble to the United States Constitution instead of learning? But okay, granted, that is important. Don't send me hate mail <laughs> for saying it's learn. not. But let our uterus let our uteruses just rule for a moment and let seriously, seriously. But why aren't we teaching them a- about how to manage grief? Why aren't we teaching them that you need to get on a plane from Houston and fly to Nashville to go be with your person and don't say anything, hold her hair. That's it. And then get her a dirty martini, evidently, because that's your love language. I mean, it is. It is. It is a love language. Blue cheese stuff else. Um, Okay, Kristen, let's just talk. Like, I, I appreciate your honesty and the rawness. I'm sure that there are people listening to this saying, I'm there. I'm there. I just... I just did the toilet thing. I'm getting ready to go into my own work event. Yours was a red carpet. Somebody listening might be like AutoZone or, you know, the law firm or whatever. How did you start to get back into life? How did you find, I mean, there's no pretty bow on this. We're not going to find a silver lining. Even when, you know, you brought home your son after it's still like, I still lost that pregnancy, but how did you start to put pieces of life together? How did you start to face forward? How did you get out of bed? Well, I had to get out of bed because I had love. So I think that she saved me in a lot of ways. Like a lot of people, I didn't have a job. I was a stay at home mom. So that to me, it's like, I think a job, I think just maybe like anchoring back into the things, you know, of yourself or Mm -hmm. things that are you without being a mom, (laughs) it's kind of helpful. Um, I mean, you're forever a mom at that point, but it's like, just Mm -hmm anchoring back into things that make you a person too. I do. I will say this, um, for me, we did not share for almost a year publicly because it was so sacred and so big to my world that I didn't want it to be about anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I made one promise to myself that was, I was going to feel everything I felt and I was going to feel it all the way. I wasn't going to pretend it didn't suck when it sucked. I was going to cry when I wanted to cry. I hosted a gender reveal for the other half of our duo. I hosted a baby shower that year. And this may not be the case for everyone, but I would offer this perspective that every single solitary baby matters. And so for me, I was not going to not celebrate other babies because they matter so freaking much, but it was okay to have grief and gratitude at the same time. I could host a baby shower and I could cry before and after it Mm -hmm. and celebrate while I was doing it. I could host a gender reveal and I could get the phone call from a doctor to know, be the only one that knows the secret sex of the baby. And I could be so excited for that. And I could also be really sad for myself at the same time. I think the shittiest part of my podcast, I say shit, but I just don't want to come in here tearing up your red, rednecking up your space here. <laughs> the shittiest part for me was just, I was not going to, I was just not going to pretend it didn't hurt. And it, our marriage went through it. It was hard, 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 mm. hard because he can't understand and he still cannot understand. Mm-hmm. They cannot, they just can try their best. Yeah. I get, I get independent when I get angry. I get independent when I get hurt. And so I got fiercely independent in 2017. It was about me and love. We traveled. I permed my hair. I really went through. It It was a real shit show. Kathy permed Uh, your hair. You went back to the eighties. Well, I I don't know what I was doing. I got got some LA gear in my hair. (laughs) I don't know. I just, (laughs) 
was like, I'm gonna, I don't know, but I also just allowed myself to not know. Mm-hmm. And I would just encourage anyone that you above all else have to honor yourself. It's not, we're not made to do that innately. And I think it matters a lot to just mm-hmm. freaking cry in your bathtub, see a pregnant woman and let it hurt a little bit. If, if it hurts, it's okay. Like you're just a human being. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't, if you don't think you can stomach going to a baby shower, then you don't go to that baby shower. You send a gift and you stay yeah. home. It's what okay. a permission slip to give. Yeah. Like just honor yourself. And when you're honoring yourself, you're also honoring your own baby. The other thing that also helped for me was like learning. People didn't talk about it a ton. It's weird because I feel like even in like the last like five years, it's gotten bigger and more like, we're not afraid to just say it. I'm a writer by nature. So for me, the therapy was writing and I wrote a piece on miscarriage and I kept it. I wrote it six weeks after we lost. And I said, I promised myself I wouldn't change a word of it because it was the first thing I had read. Like I wanted to, I wanted to read something that was while people were in the thick of it felt like being with other people that lost and knowing that like, like even you, like knowing that I have a baby with your baby. Hmm. Cause it feels like you're lonely. And then you feel the sense of like the motherhood piece kicks in and you're like, well, now my baby is like, it feels like I've like lost my baby and I'm not taking care of my baby. But in reality, in my reality, in my sweet little Elwood's frame of mind, it's like <laughs> our babies are together where they are. They're on some like cotton candy playground. And they're like looking down going, look at our freaking moms. Like, I proud, mean, proud, proud, proud. proud. Like we talk about them for me, not talking about that baby for a long time was just because I needed my time with it. Mm. But now it's like honoring baby and baby lion is what we call that baby. Like, but baby lion, like gets all the credibility. Like we have those little stacked books on our shelves that have the names on the binding Mm -hmm. and it has mama, dada, love, baby lion, and legend. Like baby lion lives as much as baby lion can live. For us, we pray about baby lion every night. We say baby lion in heaven and baby legend on earth. Like Mm. the scarcity mentality that goes in with having a rainbow baby is a whole nother chapter. And I just want to not dominate all of time, but just to tell someone who is also pregnant with a rainbow and scared to death to go into an ultrasound, like for the people that are writing number of pregnancies and number of children on a freaking freaking intake form. Oh, it's like, it's like stops you in your tracks every time I write a note on everyone and say, might we rethink this language because it's cruel. Also being an adoptive mother, like baby's medical history, whatever, every new pediatrician therapy, whatever appointment, uh, -uh, we got to do better. You do because do you know baby's information? Check yes or no. If yes, please please explain. If no, you are a rock star human. Right. For parenting this baby. Right. On my intake paperwork, it just says, please tell me your reproductive story. I will read 18 pages of your reproductive story, like on Fred's front and back. (laughs) I was just gonna say front and back. (laughs) I love you. Yeah, I just there's so much that people don't think about. I mean, I had a, a sister something a couple of years ago and, and just the feeling of going, and I've, I've since been blessed enough to have a rainbow baby 
Sweet, 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 handsome legend. Um, and we didn't even find out what legend was because we just didn't care. We were like healthy baby, do not care. Um, and it ended up being this boy who is essentially Will Ferrell, who is rocking my OCD world, but it's in all good ways. Um, but just the scarcity mentality I had, like everything, oh, all of it, this, like you have this PTSD that you're just not allowed to keep or something and mm. you're not allowed to have for too long. And I would like have these, like, you know, add that to postpartum. So I got, you know, I'm like crying over his crib when he's one going, like, I just need you to stay alive through the night. Like mm. everything is scary. Everything is overwhelming. And then you add hormones and the madness and it's like, I called it a fear in rainbows. Like, I but once a- you realize that something that you have in your body that is protected by your skin, that is protected by your organs or should be, didn't survive, wasn't okay. Like you couldn't with all, like you said earlier, all the love and hope that I had for this tiny human growing inside of me wasn't enough. Then all of a sudden, all of humanity is unsafe. The world is unsafe and people, people don't live like, like I went through a season of like, how are you sure people survived the womb? Really? Because I lost four and people would be like, I'm pregnant. And I'd be like, you're going to take that baby home. That was in my raw days. Okay. Which I got, I was entitled to every single one of those anger outbursts, tantrums, whatever, but the world doesn't seem safe. And so the fact that legend was young and you were still like, I remember bringing my kids home from Africa and he was two and I still would stick my finger under his nose to make sure he was bleeding because I was certain that any child that would ever call me mom was going to die. Uh-huh. It's a real, and think about someone that knows you so intimately, like, like I just keep thinking and I know, and honestly, like, I know I'm lucky to only have one. I, I named the piece that I wrote what heaven takes. But Mm. like, I, I only have one on that side. And I think of like my girlfriend, I just talked to yesterday who just had her seventh miscarriage. Mm. That baby knows my heartbeat from the inside out. Only three people know that, know that feeling and know the rhythm of that. And what it sounds like when I laugh from the inside or when I cry from the inside, that's pretty sacred. It's a really sacred thing. That's why okay to be hurt and frustrated and really pissed (laughs) if it's happening to you. It's okay to want to crawl in your bed and eat ramen noodles and watch sex in the city over and over and over again, because you (laughs) know exactly what's going to happen in the next scene, because the predictability of some of those things is what is also really comforting in those Mm. times of grief. Like you don't want to be surprised by a plot twist. So watch the rerun because you already know Ross and Rachel break up. We already know it. Like, let me just, we know that Carrie and big are going to break up and then she's going to cheat on Aiden. Like we've all been there. I just needed something predictable. I needed no one to talk to me. I didn't want to hear much. I just, and I wanted just to like, when I was mad, I wanted to be mad. And when I was sad, I just wanted to be really, really sad. If you're listening to this and you resonate and you've done the miscarriage or pregnancy loss stillbirth thing, our hurts really go out to you. I just think, yes, we're having this conversation on what is becoming a really windy Friday. I don't know if you can hear it in your house. I mean, you're like four miles from me. I should be sitting on your lap, but that's fine. This is fine. This is professional. The way this is going down is professional. I like it. For the non-experts, we need the professionalism. 
Seriously, I let the professionals come over and sit on my lap. Um, oh, I love you. But you, if you're thinking they know me, Kristen has taken a page out of my journal. We see you even from a distance. You are known. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. You are in the sweetest of company in this club that nobody wants to be a part of, but where we say you are seen and you are loved if you have done this uh, pregnancy loss and you are uh, thinking, you know what, I'm going to try again or trying again scares me or I'm, I found myself to be pregnant and I feel like I'm going to hold my breath. I mean, people talk about the two-week wait, but I think pregnancy after loss is the 40-week wait. We have a free resource on our website, TennesseeReproductiveTherapy.com backslash or slash. I don't know how to talk about the internet. I'm 40. Um also 40. So I can't lie to you. (laughs) Um, But there is something on there about pregnancy after loss and really how to collect those milestones and navigate that season of unknown and just absolute paralysis by fear. Kristen, leave our friends with a little love nugget, leave them with an encouraging hug um, that, you know, if they're going through this, that they can just I think you've already dropped so many, but what's a parting word? What's a sisterly hug that you can give them? I would say a couple of things brief, but one (laughs) is treat every single human you come in contact with, with the utmost grace and grace, gracious assumption. Mm. I think I don't assume anything of anyone after going through that experience. I don't assume someone's just a jerk. Um, maybe he just got the call that he's losing his baby. Who knows? Like, Mm -hmm. I also think it's really important for us as humankind, but more so in the loss and the grief and all of it to just be really in where you are today. Mm. Like I kept thinking when I was pregnant with legend, like, what if I lose him? What if I don't have this? What if we go into the appointment and there's no heartbeat? Like Dr. Barrett opened her office to me, said it, any single day, you could come five times a day to listen to this heartbeat. If that's what it takes, you come five times a day. And And here's a little love nugget. Find a provider like that. Yeah. Just don't take, I just don't take all of her appointment times. I still need her as my 40 year old OBGYN. Um, (laughs) that whole practice at Tennessee women's is like out of control. Amazing. It's not Tennessee women's it's women's OB. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. My bad. I just only talked to her 40. 40 and dementia. Um, <laughs> on set, right. It's really bad. Um, I think just like I had to focus on if you're a rainbow mom in this moment, you are pregnant for this moment. Mm. And just, I've always kept a very big attitude of gratitude when I was pregnant with love. It was not lost on me that women had gone before me and that didn't get to feel that. Like I mm. had best friends going through infertility. So I was never like, Oh, we get pregnant easy and we keep easy and all the things. But I, I just, for wherever you are, it changed my life forever. I met humans. I would have never met if I had not lost that baby. I, so many people there, I have 20,000 people following me on Instagram right now. And when the piece came out about miscarriage, I had 3000, like I would not have what I have and the community I have and the safe place I have. And, and when legend came out, all I could think is he, I get to look into the eyes of someone who knows exactly what baby lion looks like. Hmm. There's so much goodness 
and redemption in every single story. Just honor yourself, but do not stay alone when things get dark because there's someone that wants to talk to you. Even if it's me, Instagram me and I'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. Talk to I you love all. you. You're amazing. Oh, you're amazing. This has been really good for me. I, I struggled this year. Every January 17th was the day that we lost our baby. And every year I struggle on that day. And I just don't have a ritual about it. The first year I wanted to go get my hair done for some reason. Did <laughs> you get year, a perm again? I did not get a perm this time. Only one time. Um, but this year I really struggled because I've had so much other loss this year. Just a lot of podcasts for another time. But I struggled with like going, I don't know if I can fall into this like 117 thing. Like I, I just want to like, I want to like cry in my bed for a minute. I want to like talk to the baby. And then I just want to like soak up the day. You asking me to do this is me honoring that baby. And I will continue to honor our second. Mm -hmm. When I tell everyone we have two on earth, one in heaven. Every time they ask how many kids do you have? I say, we have two, we lost one in between. Whatever it looks like to honor your baby, keep honoring your baby. So thank you for creating this space so that I could talk about my sweet baby. Oh, we love a sweet baby. I love you. Love you. Everybody, this is a giant love fest today. I hope that you felt it. I hope that you felt encouraged. If your story isn't miscarriage, love on somebody you know who has experienced it. Because, you know, I always say for those who became a mom in the middle of the pandemic, they are not doing well. And for those who have had to say goodbye to a baby, their own child in the middle of a pandemic, and there are millions, they're not doing well. So if it's you or somebody else, if it's you, love on yourself. If it's somebody else, go love on them. Friends, thanks for uh, joining us today for my first non-expert. <laughs> That's a terrible way to say it. But Kristen, I think we've all learned to love you. Where are you on Instagram? I am at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, like every other girl born in the 80s, dot brust. B as in boy, R-U-S-T. It's like trust. That's why in Kristen, we brust. So Please find me and follow me and let me love you aggressively. That's what I do best. Mm, Twos unite. All Mm. right, everybody have a great week and go out and thrive. We'll see you next time.